You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on how to use Zen and endurance to find a better you. All right, today's episode is really cool. We have advice on how to race a mountain bike by listeners have chimed in how to race on a mountain bike course, either during a triathlon or during a mountain bike race. And also on how this this phenomenon of trying to blame your chronotype for what time you get up in the morning is bad science. I go into depth on that with lots of explanations and examples on how not to fall for that trap and how, at the end, how to change yourself. Easy way to do it so you can get up at whatever time you want. All right, there's that, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. But let's go ahead and get started with the triathlon news. Here we go. All right, what seems to be the biggest news in the triathlon world is Gwen Jorgensen is pregnant. And besides everybody being, yay, cool, (laughs) a lot of her competition is like, phew, oh my God, because she is so dominant in Olympic distance triathlon. And it's not going to take her out for long. I have this theory. A lot of people have this theory that uh, when women have a have their baby, have a baby, they end up uh, going to a whole nother level of tough and resistance. They come back and are even more dominant than they were before a lot of times. It's pretty interesting because having a baby is so tough and it toughens them up for a long course. And Gwen hadn't even started doing long course yet. So there's all that. And let's see... Uh, the female triathlon news also goes to Jody Swallow, who looks like she just won another race, <laughs> continuing to win everything she enters. And there's that. And let's see, Zwift is the online cycling video game where you hook up your bike to your computer and then you can ride along a predetermined course, but with thousands of other people riding all at the same time. It is super cool. Zwift, Z-W-I-F-T. Well, they've added a volcano to their virtual reality uh, training course. Well, it's not entirely virtual reality, but it is super cool. I really, really like it. It's mostly a flat course. So if you're like me and you're trying to overcome an injury in your feet, you won't pedal too hard and because it's flat. And what I've noticed is I actually have to stay off Zwift if I'm... Um, if I'm trying to recover from an injury in my feet or my legs because Zwift is so engaging, somebody passes you and you're like, I'm going to pass them back. Or you're going uphill and it slows you down as you go uphill. You're like, ah, come on. So I actually have to uh, stay off that thing because I'll end up biking too hard. But the Zwift level uh, volcano area is actually pretty flat. And now that's enough. It's enough ground that you cover where it takes if you do the volcano and then ride around and then go back to the volcano right around on the other flat area that goes underwater, which is super cool. Then you, um, you end up, it takes about half an hour. And, uh, so twice of that is an hour and that's a really good workout. <clears throat> All right. And another one that uh, is really interesting is this, uh, Utah representative. I don't know if he's a Senator or representative has introduced a bill 
Well, there's one. Yeah, the one guy from Utah <laughs> has uh, introduced a bill to try to sell our public lands, which is just insane. It's a it's a right that we have to all this this public lands that you can go hike and bike and and run on and do all the stuff. You can camp anywhere. You can sit there and look up at the stars. It's ours. It's the uh, it's the citizenry, and um, they're trying to sell it off. They're trying. What they are doing is saying it has no value. Uh, and then, because it has no value, we can give it or sell it to um, private companies like Exxon and such uh, for drilling. And no, we need to be investing our time and money and our resources into into uh, alternative fuels, uh, solar, wind, and all that, and not uh, destroying our land with uh, breaking it up into selling it off to corporations. Because I don't want to go mountain biking and have the whole thing uh, built covered in oil and then also placards and and billboards for coca-cola all over it that would uh, really suck so let's not do that okay fight that where you can but then also along with that was a bill proposed in montana about not allowing cyclists to ride on rural roads unless there's a bike lane or a sidewalk which is stupid you can't ride a bike at any speed on a any decent speed on a sidewalk uh then uh you can't bike on that road and I saw that, retweeted it, that this is insane. And then um, this one guy replied back, well, I mean, honestly, to be TBH, to be honest, the um, it's really dangerous uh, riding on rural roads with, uh, with high speeds and uh, trucks. And... So, you know, and, but then the, the logic here is, is, well, then cyclists are to blame. No, cyclists are not to blame for that. It's the building of the road and the width of the road that's to blame. And it's a federally protected, uh, right, I guess it's federally protected for you to be able to bike on roads. And if you use that logic, oh, well, we should ban that in Montana, right? Well, you should ban that in Texas and Florida and Alabama and, and, uh, uh, New York State and uh, California and Kansas, like it just goes on and on, because all the roads <laughs> that are rural are no shoulder, um, high speed. Uh, it's just it's you ban one, and uh, then it's then it applies to everywhere, and then now you have a nation of people that can't ride their bikes anywhere, and you've locked yourself down. In this day and age, we need to be working on giving people more rights because we have more resources and better science and everything. Instead of taking things away, we need to be giving people more. And it's just it's just insane. So that's the other thing. This uh, Keep an eye on that, this law and uh, this bill in Montana about banning bikes from rural roads. Um, it's, oh, man, what a world. Okay, we've got that. That's, that's most of the news out there. So let's go ahead and hop on over to let's see do we want to do mountain biking or do we want to talk about oh i got a good one let's talk about um this whole thing about chronotypes and i'm going to go on my rant all right what we want to do now is talk a little bit about how i don't want you to believe the hype don't believe the hype about chronotypes and it sounds good but it's actually bad science I'm not saying it's entirely wrong, but it's kind of like pseudoscience and it probably doesn't apply to you. And we're going to talk about it and I'm going to point out how this kind of thing happens every once in a while. So don't fall victim to it and then think that you can't change yourself because you're a certain way. This podcast is about hope and uh, 
change and what we can do and not what we can't and not giving up because we think we're one thing when we actually can be many, many things. All right. So too many times I've seen people change from being late risers to early risers suddenly. And that's what this chronotype thing is about. It's about taking a test and then finding out what kind of chronotype, quote unquote, you are, and then trying to base your life around that. And what I'm saying is the test may define how you are right now, but that does not mean that that is how you are (laughs) forever. It's kind of like if you're pre-diabetic, right? Oh, you need uh, insulin. No, maybe you don't. Maybe you could just change your diet and you could change your lifestyle and then you could change your life. So trying to say that you're one thing when this is actually easily changeable will cut you off at your knees about your potential in life. So, okay, so again, you go and take a test and find out if you're something, some kind of animal name, like a bear, dolphin, wolf, or lion. And this is step one of of bad science is it's a psychological trick right we we name ourselves something just like i'm and it excuses behavior because now you're something you're not yourself you can blame you can point at something else and it's exactly like when somebody goes well i just i'm a i'm a leo and therefore you know i cause trouble everywhere i go or you know whatever leos do and no you you're excusing bad behavior by pointing towards a um, what an astrology sign, and it's uh, it's not actually you. Okay, now that's the first thing. That's that's the early indicator sign. Hmm, this, there's something up here. And then what this happens? What happens is it becomes an excuse for not trying and then giving up. People uh, do this all the time. If you give something a name then it's not you, it's the other thing, and it becomes an excuse. It's, uh, I'm not fat, I'm big boned. And then you can go online and see an x-ray of a fat person and see their bones are just the same as exactly everybody else. Uh, Girls saying they're just not good at math, or uh, parents not pressuring girls saying, well, they're girls, you know, they're just not supposed to be good at math. The fact is, is that the very first computers was actually a job description that 99% of the time was held by women, and they calculated stuff at wartime, uh, formulas and uh, equations and lots of heavy, heavy duty math, and a lot of times the, the very first programmers were women. The, uh, the programmer that did all the calculations to send people to the moon was a woman, right? Girls are awesome at math. <laughs> So it's an excuse to say that, you know, just because of something, you're not good at something else. Um, We go back to your religion is due to your, you say, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I, I, so I do this, or I'm a Buddhist, so I do this, or I'm a Muslim, so I do this. Think about this. If you were not born and raised where you were, you would be something else. There's a reason that... I don't know how many it is, you know, so many billion Chinese are Buddhist or so many uh, million, billion people are Hindu out of India, and then so is the very next generation. It's because it, they, their parents and their village and their town tell them that they are as they're born and raised. So 
you can change your religion at any time. So why does it have traction? It's because people have told you that you're something. Uh, when I went to uh, Spain and uh, in the afternoon, I was not shocked, but I was like, wow, this is really a thing where uh, two o'clock in the afternoon or something like that, it's, everything shut down for an hour, right? That is a cultural thing. And you start believing that, that uh, you need to do that. And I'm not totally opposed to that. I love it. But anyway, uh, Thailand, I was listening to a podcast recently, and in Thailand, uh, they were talking about, it was a productivity podcast. And the guy said, you know, they went to, they moved to Thailand and did live there for a while, you know, because you're working off of a computer. So you've got all the, you can live anywhere you want. So why not live in Thailand? It's super cheap there, right? He said the culture there was so slow and, which is good for vacation, is so slow and anti-productive, and I'm not saying that's good or bad, I'm just saying that's what it is, that for the business they were in, it was bad business, and they found themselves being convinced, being uh, pushed along to, to not be like that. And the interesting thing about Thailand, this is a cool geography uh, uh, cultural geography kind of thing is they have a culture there of the king will take care of us. Don't they love their king? The king recently passed away. It was like very traumatic to everybody um, because they have a culture that you don't need to try too hard because the king will uh, will provide for us in a way, right? So and that's an entire country, and that's not just Thailand. I'm sure that's lots of places. So you need to see that. You can easily be convinced to not work or to work or to uh, happiness and accomplishing things uh, can be based outside of you kind of by accident unless you're mindful and pay attention to what's going on. And also that you are a product or a product <laughs> of your environment and your goals. Uh, when I wanted to quit smoking, I tried, this is back in college, I tried so many times to quit smoking, and then finally, I changed my environment. I quit hanging out with people that smoked. That was the hardest thing. And then all of a sudden, it was really easy to quit smoking, right? <clears throat> but also, you need to listen to this. I am not, this is the language we're talking about. I am not a smoker. I am a person that smokes, Right? Now you're taking ownership. I love quoting uh, Jocko Willink on here a lot because this dude is just badass and it's extreme ownership. I, if you are a smoker, you are not a smoker in a way because now you're taking, you're saying that you're something that you can't control. You are a person that decides every single time to light up and put a cigarette in your mouth. You are a person that smokes. You cannot be a smoker if you decide to. And back to this chronotype. You know, they got these different like wolves and lions and donkeys and, and uh, owls or something. But you need to be saying, I am not a wolf or whatever. I'm a person that gets up because I've been getting up. And that's, that's a key right there that whatever you've been doing creates traction and your body clock starts noticing it and it starts working. And it's independent of what uh, some test shows because you can change. And I've changed. And I know lots of people that have changed. Okay, so the number one thing to change what time you get up, what time that you're uh, productive throughout the day is goals. Goals. 
are what wake you up in the morning. Goals are what energize you or goals are, are what make you work at a certain time, the best time to get that goal done. If you don't have goals, there is no reason to be getting up at a certain time or be energetic at a certain time. If your goal is to party at night, well, that's what time you should get up at, uh, or your goal is to be a stand-up comedian. Well, guess what? You should probably go to bed at 3 a.m., sleep through the morning, and then get up at 3 p.m., I guess. And then, uh, man, I worked a night shift for a while. My goal was to keep my night shift job. Well, then I uh, I went to bed at whatever, and I got up at whatever. And that was a long time ago. But uh, the goals are what give you the energy, right? And now, no goals are absolutely fine. If that's the way, that's what's going on in your life right now. Um, I was just on family vacation. The goal was no goals. And um, my body clock was used to me getting up at 4.30 in the morning. So I briefly woke up at 4.30 in the morning and kind of looked around and I go, oh, uh, because my body was used to me getting up at 4.30. I went, oh, huh? I'll go back to sleep. And boom, right, right back to sleep and slept until like 7 uh, eight, something like that. And then got up then. And the, the, oh wait, my dogs are now deciding to bark at everything. Okay. We're gonna have to deal with a little bit of dog barking here for a second, but I'm sure we can handle it because my goal is actually to record this and we're going to get it done. And my, my, uh, nephew, um, was having trouble in high school and had trouble graduating, but he did and everything, but, uh, decided to put off going to college and, um, just joined the army. Now, before he joined the army, he really had no, there's either goals that you come up with or another way is society puts goals on you, right? Somebody external goes, you're going to do this. You're going to do that, right? If you say, Hey, will you go to swim team practice? Or, Hey, will you be on the basketball, try out for the basketball team? 99% of the time, a teenager is going to go, yeah, no, like that. I'm already doing enough, right? So you got to uh, hey, will you become an Eagle Scout? No, I don't really want to, right? Because video games and hanging out at home is way more fun. So as a parent, you got to force them to do some stuff, see what they're good at, and then let them enjoy it, and then they want to do it, right? So there's that kind of situation where uh, my nephew was really not doing anything because he wasn't getting the uh, the leadership and discipline at home to make him do it. So he ended up no options once he graduated from high school. Proud of him for graduating from high school. But he um, he ended up having to join the Army was his choice. And he went from getting up, I kid you not, he went from getting up at like noon, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon to you know whatever time they get up every day at boot camp. And I promise you, the first couple days at boot camp sucked, Right. But then he did his basic training, which is like 10 weeks or something. And then he came home for Christmas. And this is just recently. He Just the other day, he came home for Christmas. And then I was up um, I was up and doing something around 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. And he was staying at this at a grandparent's house. So we were all together. And he, he was up and walking around, which has, I've never seen in my entire life with this kid. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, can't sleep. Um, I feel like I should be doing something, <laughs> right? Because at boot camp, they made them get up at 5, 
you know, I doubt six, probably five, five thirty every morning and do something. You have like PT is what they call it, physical training. And, uh, and I said, Hey, you want to run down? It was 20 degrees outside. And I said, Hey, you want to run down to the end of the street and do some push ups and run back? And he goes, yeah. And I said, all right, let's go do it. And we did it, um, in shorts, even though it was 20 degrees, no shirt. And, uh, and, and in short, <laughs> just to be crazy. Right. And my point is, is this change he had, he was forced. So there's one way you can be forced by external environment, parents, um, military, something, something that you've signed up for or gotten yourself into, or a lot of us go, okay, I'm going to sign up for an Ironman or, you know, a, a 50 mile trail run. And then it dawn, you do your first one. And then you realized, holy crap, I want, I thought I would do way better than that. And then you do your second one and you decide, hey, I need to get up earlier to get this stuff done or to, you know, to get it in when you realize it takes so many hours of training per week, but you have a goal, right? So now you're motivated and you're inspired. And so you change what time you get stuff done to get your goal done. And, and again, it could be, um, you know, it could be a night thing and you want to be a stand up comedian or you want to, you want to be a successful rock band. So you need to stay up late It all. The time of day doesn't matter. I am not here to say that everybody needs to get up at 4.30 a.m. What I'm here to say is believing that your time to get up and be productive is dictated somewhere in your genetic code is uh, wrong and it's harmful and it's um, it can sabotage the things that you want to get done in life even just for a short time, okay? Now, the other thing is I can tell you the trick if you want to get up early to get stuff done. If you realize, okay, the only time I'm going to get stuff done is earlier in the day, then um, I can tell you how to do it. Uh, I should mention there are reasons why in this personality test, people that get up early and get a whole lot done earlier... um, in this personality or chronotype test, they call it uh, a lion. And so it's real alpha, right? That's real in charge and dominant. And they say that most CEOs are alphas. Most people that get stuff done are alphas. That is not exactly uh, in my tweet that Jocko uh, liked and confirmed, the Navy SEAL commander guy, uh, because he always gets up at 4.30 and posts a picture of his watch, is... Getting up early turns you into a person that gets a lot of stuff done, depending on your environment, you know, depending on whatever you're doing in life. And it's, you can become somebody that get, you can become a lion, alpha, super mega wolf, whatever, by, um, by getting up earlier and getting, because what that does is it allows you to get stuff done because you're there first, Right. Um, so you don't become, (laughs) you're not a lion first and your personality, you're not successful first and then start getting up early. Actually, you get, you can get up early and then you'll start noticing that your life becomes super successful. Um, but again, it depends on what career path, you know, you get up at the appropriate time. And then you'll notice that your your goals start happening. You become a more successful, happier person. Okay, so this goes right along with, let's say um, a restaurant opens at 
6 p.m. or 5 p.m. and you um, uh, you don't have much time that evening, you want to get some extra stuff done, do you go to the restaurant at 7.30 or 8 and then wait uh, half an hour to 45 minutes to even an hour in the lobby to get seated because that's when the crowd comes? Or do you go a little bit earlier and then now they oh, – and when you – Let's say you go at eight o'clock. You get you finally get seated at eight. They're out of this and they're out of that, and uh, other people will have to leave because something came up, right? Uh, so, the microcosm of this is no. If you got there earlier, all the food's in stock. Um, you get to sit wherever you want. You don't have to sit next to the smokers or in the loud area. You can pick and choose. You don't get put next to the freaking bathroom on your first date with somebody, and it smells like crap because uh, and the door keeps slamming and open and close and open and close and silverware keeps dropping and somebody pours a pitcher of water on the on the floor because you're right next to the service area right next to the bathroom next to the kitchen no if you get there early you get to choose like so many more things and and it makes your life like super uh, easier and more productive so if you get up early let's use that example if you get up early then you get more stuff done earlier without conflicts, right? If you try to work out in the evening, stuff comes up. Oh, you got to go to the grocery store. Oh, I didn't do this. Oh, can you help me go do that? Um, uh, hey, uh, there's a phone call. Your your parents call and blah, blah, Oh, you got to go pick up somebody, whatever, right? All these things start piling up. If you get your workout done early, then you get in a good quality uh, workout uh, and without all these things, and then it's consistency, right? So then all of a sudden, people go, "Man, this guy gets stuff done. This lady gets, this girl gets stuff done. Um, maybe he ought to be in, he or she ought to be in charge of the department because they're always getting stuff done when they say they will." And it's like, yeah, because I, if you um, say for meetings, for example, if you want something to get done, you have the meeting early in the morning, right? You have it at in the morning and not in the afternoon because by the afternoon comes up there's all these crises at work and conflicts and systems are breaking and you need to go um people can't make it because they've got other things that have happened right so instead you do it in the morning and you're like well brett that you're okay you're right okay if i got up in the morning and then I would get more stuff done without more conflicts. But I have trouble getting stuff done in the in the. I have trouble getting up. Okay, now we're at that point. Listen, that is totally normal. Changing what time you get up, either moving it early or moving it later, is slightly difficult, right? But you can make it way easier by one simple step. <laughs> It's what you do the day before. All right. So let's say I want to get up. I'm getting up at seven and I want to get up at six, right? So what I say, okay, that's going to be, let's say today's Tuesday. So I say, okay, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is today I am going to do extra, Tuesday I'm going to do extra activities to make me tired, right? That's not hard to do. Can you make yourself tired by doing extra stuff? Yes. Um, and do it earlier in the day, wear yourself out, uh, go for an extra workout, go for an extra run, something, just do something to make yourself tired. Then what'll happen is you'll want to go to bed earlier 
than you usually do because you're a little bit more tired than you usually are, right? That's not hard to do. I promise you, it's super easy to do. Now, the other thing is the reason people stay up late is they're watching crap on TV. Turn off the TV, go in a bedroom, completely turn off the TV, turn off everything, and lay there with either calm music or a talking podcast that's just kind of like Zentri, right? That they're just talking and about nothing. And then you fall asleep just a little bit earlier. And you set your alarm for a little bit earlier than you got than when you usually do, right? So you usually set it for seven. Is that what we said? And then now you want to get up at six. Set it for 6.30, right? Now, what you'll notice is because you went to bed earlier, that getting up a little bit earlier is not that hard. You get up at 6.30, you're kind of like, oh, it's a little bit earlier, right? Now, what happens is Throughout the day, you're doing stuff, but because you got up a little bit earlier, guess what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to go to bed a little bit earlier because you're tired because you got up earlier. So you go to bed a little bit earlier and you can set your alarm to 6.15. And then when your alarm goes off at 6.15 the next morning, because you went to bed a little bit earlier, then you can get up a little bit earlier. And then you do you repeat this until you're starting to get up at whatever time that you, that you want. Now... What happens is after you do after you get set with your time and you go to you get start getting up at a certain time uh uh I don't know how many times it takes 3 4 times or something like that your body actually has an internal clock and you it can sense you ever like say oh man I got to get up at like 3 a.m. to catch a flight this morning you ever notice that sometimes your body wakes up right at 3 a.m. <laughs> because you're you actually do have an internal clock. Your body, your brain does know what time it is. And if it's important enough, it'll wake you up kind of around that time to uh, because it's important and it knows. It can sense these things. So you can, um, once you get up enough times at a certain time uh, and it's repeated, your body gets used to getting up at that time. And no matter how much sleep you get or don't get, you're going to go, oh, you're going to wake up at that time. And it's really, really cool. And sometimes you don't even need to set an alarm anymore because it's so reliable. And it's not difficult at that point anymore. So the the flawed logic is to say, um, okay, I'm going to get up, is to do what you always do and go to, go to bed at the same time that you always go to bed and then try to get up earlier the next day. That's, that's uh, territory for failure right there. Um, because now you're struggling against uh, not getting enough sleep. So again, what you do is you go to bed earlier the night before, then you get more sleep than, you, than you're used to getting, and then it's easier to get up. Don't do it the wrong way and say, I'm just going to start getting up at 4.30 in the morning, but I'm going to go to bed at midnight. No, you're going to be miserable and absolutely sucks. Uh, I get up 4.30 every morning. I go to bed around uh, 9.30 or 10. It seems like. But guess what? It's easy to go to bed at 9.30 or 10 because I got up at 4.30 in the morning. I used to, a few years ago, I used to get up at um, 6 or 7 or whatever. And then when I decided that my goals were different, I started getting up. Uh, I kept getting up earlier and earlier and earlier until I finally found the time that actually worked for me. So I changed. Uh, I told you about my nephew that changed. Uh, people change all the time. Uh, so again, we don't want you to be blaming your body type 
don't do it. Don't become, uh, I'm big boned. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a dolphin, you know, I'm a grasshopper or whatever all these things are. Because now you're falling back on blaming something else over something that you can totally do yourself. You have the power to actually change this. Don't fall victim to it and be your own source for your own success. All right, that's the end of my rant. Let's go on with the rest of the show. All right, let's take a break and mention Amrita Bars. I just had one. Where is it? Where's the wrapper? It was the chocolate maca, maca, maca attack. Let's see, let me go get it right here. Because they have regular energy bars and then they have their recovery energy bars. Here it is. Oh, Amrita, plant-based nutrition, chocolate maca, 15 grams of protein in one bar. How about that? I have I have the high protein ones after I swim. Oh man, it's such good stuff. They have all different kinds of flavors. They are non uh I wouldn't say non-allergenic, because that's that's like uh that's not the right wording. Hypoallergenic? <laughs> there's no nuts, they use seeds instead for the protein. So if you have a nut allergy, there's no worries there. They are uh, vegan friendly and uh, no animal products used inside. Uh, Gluten-free, dairy-free, peanut-free, soy-free, long time, long, long time uh, sponsor of the show. Kai was in a soccer game today, drinking out of an Amrita water bottle. Speaking of the other stuff they make, they have all kinds of cool gear, and he scored two goals. Now, if you eat Amrita bars, will you score two goals in life? Probably. You never know. Got to find out, and you can find out by going to amritahealthfoods.com and using discount code ZEN2016. That's discount code ZEN2016. It's actually a really cool fuel for long rides because it's super easy to digest. And also, here's another thing. They don't freeze. A lot of bars, the competition, uses uh, stuff that will actually freeze when it gets cold. As we head into winter, Amrita bars stay soft. You can open one up and plow through it uh, nice and chewy and uh, they're date based it's really cool um the way i eat amrita bars when i'm biking along is i open one up and or i'll maybe pre-open one before i get going on the bike but anyway i take a bite out of it like maybe a quarter or a third of the bar in one bite and then i fold the end of the wrapper back over the rest of the bar and then i put it on uh on my quad, I stuff it up the front of my bike shorts from the uh, knee side, kind of push it up in there, and it stays flat with my quad right here, right there. And then um, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, I just grab it, pull it back out, push the bar forward in the wrapper, boom, another bite, and it keeps your stomach feeling so good, super smooth, super nice. There's cardamom in it, which actually soothes the stomach. So, all right. That's it for Amrita Bars. Thank you so much for being a sponsor. Show them some love. Again, uh, discount code 2016, Zen2016 at AmritaHealthFoods.com. And also they have, like I said, a big store with all kinds of cool gear, shirts, jerseys, water bottles, fun stuff like that. Go check them out. All right, back to the episode. All right, I'm here with the amazing Kai Blankner, mountain biker. How's it going? Good. Yes, we can go. Kai just finished a huge rant uh, after he finished mountain bike practice about how he was going around a trail and then he thought he was going the right way and then some guys followed him and then they ended up almost running head on into somebody else. 
you can hear the off-road as we're, as we're leaving the mountain bike ranch. Yeah, yeah. So he did hour and 45 minutes about of practice. And I did, uh, I went off and rode on my own and met him back, met back with him. So how was practice going? Tell us about it. Good. Okay. That's not going to do for a podcast interview. Um, it was pretty good. We did three sessions of stuff like obstacles and hill climbing. Yeah. And that turning. So tell us about it. It's, uh, how many kids on the team do you think? And how do you fall in there? 15. No, more than 15. At least 20. Right. Or more. And... When's your first race? I... Uh, I'm not very sure about that. <laughs> but if this is a racing team, though, right? You're going to be racing? Yes. My first race was today. Against everyone else. Yeah. How'd you do? Good. Okay. This is a very lackluster yes. interview. Why Why is that? I, I do not know. Is it because you're tired? Okay. Yes. I'm, ti- I'm very tired. It is tiring. Should I interview you maybe later after you've had yes. some? Yes, you should. Ah! There's a train. What about uh, counting laps during my mile swim yesterday? How was that? That was pretty cool. Yeah. What made it exciting or fun? See you doing races like that and me being part of it. Yeah. I agree. That can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So you were using, describe the how you count laps and show me how you count laps and stuff like that. How does that happen? So how we did it was... It was going by odd numbers, so when they would start on the block, it would you'd go down and that'll be one. Uh, you'd put one down in the water. Put one what? One lap thing in the water. So what's that thing that you're putting in the water? What does that look like? People don't even know that. It's a white square. Mm-hmm. That's um and it has folding plastic with numbers yeah, on the fold, flaps yeah say that folding plastic with numbers on the flaps mm-hmm. and um, so you'd flip it flip one over and there would be three because it's bite so you're counting 25s yeah and then 25 yards 25 yards yes so one three five seven nine and then you have to flip over the left side to give it a one and then start over again on the right side with one three which is actually 11 13. uh-huh and then on the so he was doing 65 um laps how do you, yeah, yeah laps and then so you'd um on the last one it would be 63 and then on the back of the last the, one on the last one you'd flip them both to be red left and right to be red mm-hmm. so you'd stick that in the water to tell them that that was their last lap and then yeah so the whole thing is you're dipping this in the water because it's easy for the swimmer to lose count once you get over i think they might have been doing it for the 500 too right mm-hmm. so the 500 the thousand uh, there might be an 800. I'm not sure if there's an 800 or not. Not Maybe not in this one. And then the mile, which is 1,650. Um, they dip these things. You have, some, you have somebody help you on the far side, and they dip this plastic thing in where you can see the number as you're doing a turn to see 
what how many laps you've done and and how many you got left it's really cool and then there was what did they do to uh let you know back on the diving block side that you only had one more entire lap left they'd ring a bell yeah it was pretty cool wasn't it bang 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 and then and then then what happened oh we had a secret hand signal kai remember that you could tell me if I was winning or not. Mm-hmm. So there was a little handle on the end of the counting. Yeah. Ca- what, what is Lap it called? Lap counter. Thing. Lap counter. Big plastic square. And so if you want, so you'd put a one down. One what? Finger down. If I was in first place. If you were in first place with while you were holding it, and two if you were in second place. Two cause, fingers down like a peace sign, upside down peace sign. Yeah. You can't really do three because... You'd, you'd probably drop it. Yeah. So... So for the first half of the uh, of this thing, and Kai's counting up to 66, well, 65 and, and orange, and then... Or 63 and then orange. And then a uh, red. And then... Um, but for about the first half, I could see Kai's finger sticking down that I was... He had one finger sticking down on the handle. You know, not holding the handle and pointing down. Because uh, he's dipping this thing in the water. And I could tell. I was ahead. I was winning. And then somebody two lanes over, I was suspicious. She was she was pulling ahead of me. And I looked at Kai when he was dipping his hand in. And it was two fingers. So then I knew. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. I was like, God dang it. <laughs> but then that goes back to where we do our hand signals when we do uh, races together, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, one finger up means water. Two fingers means... Bite. Uh, I don't. Know. I don't remember. I don't, I don't. Food. What are we talking about? What I was oh, doing. Oh yeah. <coughs> yeah, that stuff. Uh, I remember what you're talking about. Middle finger means leave me alone. Yes. Yes, it does. That is true. <laughs> no, we never did that one. No. But it, as you get older, we'll start using that one. Okay. Right. And yeah. So thank you. I really enjoyed it. And I was really. I was hoping you weren't bored or something like that, and then it turns out you were soaking with water from me splashing as I did flip turns, and you had this big grin, and you were saying about how awesome it was, like it was I, exciting. I should have brought a swimsuit, though, so I would have been dry. I could have changed, oh. but it was victory water, so. <laughs> You're coated in victory water? Is that sweat? Sweat is victory water? Yes. Well, anyway, I'm super excited that you went and uh, did that. And we all had on our Von Blanc racing team shirts. And Mommy was there taking, she took some good photos. We need to make, like, if Von Blanc racing should be part of it, like, you, you should make a shirt line called Von Blanc. Von Blanc racing, like, jerseys? It was really cool having that on. Oh, like a clothesline of Von Blanc. Okay. Well, let's get started. You've been doing all this designing of tennis shoes and stuff on the... On the computer, maybe you should help me do that. Okay. All right. You heard it. I'm like a pro at that. <laughs> okay. Well, you could be. All you got to do is sell one and you're a professional. All right. Uh, that's it. Be back later. Out. Bang. All right. Next, we're going to talk about how to mountain bike race. So I put out there that Kai is going to be in a... Uh, he's Well, he's joined the local mountain bike team it's a combination of middle and high schoolers and starts at six 
and he has his first race coming up. I've done a few mountain bike races, and I know how they can get uh, really tight and jammed right from the start and get a little wild and crazy. And uh, but this is his first, and we were talking about you know how to do your first race, and he's on a team, and you know they break it up by divisions and stuff like that. But I I think he's in for a uh, uh, not a rude surprise, but a wild surprise at how tough it is actually to mountain bike race because it's not mountain biking. It's a lot of, um, like, like we're used to doing, even though he's on a team and they're training, you got to get around other people and other people got to get around you. And also the amount of dust and dirt and mud in the air that makes it difficult to see is enormous. And he's going to learn that real quick. <laughs> but I thought I would, uh, uh, put out there a, a call to see if anybody had any advice. And the first one comes from Stephen Hall. He sent in a note that says, depends on the race. The more competitive you are and the more competitive the race, you pass when you get an opening. And that's true. You, you wait until you can get through. And then at the first second that you can get past somebody, you just go. And maybe you say something, but it's kind of like turn signals and bad traffic. If you notice, a lot of people don't use their turn signals until the last second because you don't want to give away. Uh, turn signals are a sign of weakness. <laughs> it's something I've learned in uh, bigger cities where you got to get around people and and fight your way through traffic to get where you want. Everybody's trying to cut each other off. In smaller towns like I live right here, um, away from rush hour, we can, uh, you know, turn signals. Everybody uses turn signals. Very casual. You, you get yelled at and people hate you if you don't use your turn signal. You're like, come on. And so I get that 100% and told him that. Um, and then he said, Stephen said, uh, if you're lower level like me, and that would be uh, Stephen, uh, you ask. So I guess, it, you know, can I get by? Uh, yeah, that's what he said. And that works really well. So I think, yeah, it depends on the race and within the race, where you are within the race. If you're way off the back and you're not even close to the front, you don't have anything to worry about. Um, people get really nice <laughs> and they're like, Hey man, can I get by? Oh yeah, sure. And that's cool. Um, let's see, there's kids on this team that are nationally or state ranked, I mean, but get, uh, scholarships to big schools. So it's going to be a really competitive, uh, Aaron left said, don't crash. Crashing is a terrible time suck. And what he means is if you can avoid it, uh, stay away from crashing because if you fall down, you got to get back up on your bike. And by that time, 10 people have passed you and you got to pass them back. If you're not, uh, have, you know, the crap knocked out of you and stunned from uh, wrecking. And, uh, the thing I pointed out to Kai about that is, you know how you're worried about cars when you're out riding your bike? on the road. Uh, the thing that people don't think about mountain biking is trees. A tree is like a, it's not like a moving car, but it's like a parked car. And, um, you can easily break your collarbone or your neck or your skull. Um, if you plow into a tree by accident, uh, because you lose control and crash. And then the message from Jamie Patrick, Jamie Patrick is a guy that I swam across, uh, Lake Tahoe with. Uh, super, super, he was swimmer of the year, uh, open water swimmer of the year. Dude is a bad ass. And he wrote, Kai, you are one lucky dude to have a dad and mom that get so fired up for your events. My first and only mountain bike race. I knocked over eight riders on the first hill. <laughs> Hold your line. 
Um, that means stay on the trail where you're supposed to be. Don't get sloppy. Uh, be strong when it hurts. And no matter what, you won just by doing it. Now go kick some butt. Three exclamation points. And uh, Kyle really liked reading that. He loves Jamie. And Jamie's daughter is Kai's age, and they're so cute when they play together. All right, we have that. I I also want to take a moment to mention Salt Stick. Oh my gosh, I realized I'm running low on it, and I got to ask him for some more. I've also realized my website uh, seems to be acting up, and I got to go get that checked out. It's uh, not. It's getting crazy redirects or something like that. All the life of maintaining a website. That's why I use Squarespace. It's because it's super easy to uh, manage. It lets me do triathlon and it lets me do um, podcasting and my day job without too much fretting. So that's your uh, unpaid advertisement for Squarespace. But I also need to mention Salt Stick because this stuff is so great. I want to add a little bit of salt, a, a lot of salt. And it's not salt. It's electrolytes. Electrolytes are what matter. And Salt Stick is the closest that you can find of a match to what you sweat out. You put back in what you, it's the, it's like the exact same ratios of, of, uh, calcium and, uh, magnesium and, uh, sodium, of course, and all the other electrolytes that you need. And that, so you're putting back in exactly what you take out and salt stick capsules. You can actually open them up and dissolve them into your water. I love doing that. Instead of taking a pill, I can actually, it's a capsule, I can break them open and mix them with my water. So I can add salt to my own homemade fuel. I can uh, add salt or electrolytes to my uh, Gatorade or my maple syrup. Oh, I love using maple syrup. But maple syrup doesn't have any electrolytes in it. And so you gotta add something and I go to the salt stick and that way I can use maple syrup as my fuel, which is just time and time again, like the best stuff, maple syrup and a little bit of matcha, which is green tea and salt stick. It is so cool. And they have chewables now. Oh man, the lemon or it's the lime or citrus flavored It is so good. And it's so easy to, um, you just break them apart in your mouth and it actually makes uh, getting your electrolytes in kind of fun. So this is how you can get 25% off salt stick stuff. They have that dispenser that you can just pop out uh, however many uh, capsules you need at, at a time. It's so cool. You can twist them out, kind of like a Pez dispenser, but like with a twist. But anyway, gotta get so distracted with the salt stick stuff. It's so good. You can get salt stick by going to saltstick.com and then slash Zentry. And it will ask you, so salt, www.saltstick.com slash Zentry. And it'll go, oh, What's your password to get in here? Because you got to be cool to get in here. And you go, uh, it's Zentry. And then it goes, bam, there you are, bro. You got 25% off. Bam, just like that. How about that? Isn't that cool? And don't forget that Salt Stick is actually sold around the world, all over the place. And you can, uh, there's a store locator. You can find that. Uh, ShopSaltStick.com is another place you can go check out. You know, I don't want to, keep you from getting your electrolytes however you need to get them go get them and you can get 25 percent off and then by by getting the salt stick with the discount codes and try it but then you can turn around and help support the show because they let me know that you're getting it through them isn't that cool and they're they listen to the show so hi salt stick how you doing okay let's get back to the program 
All right, let's get to the cards and letters brought to us by Hornet Juice, which I'll get to in a minute, and show and your show donations. So if you support the show on the left side of the website, which I might have to go fix <laughs> if it doesn't come back online, then which is zentrathlon.com, then you can find, oh my gosh, if it's broken, that means I got to fix a ton of stuff. On the left side of the website, you can find a link to donate to the show one time, multiple times, whatever you need. Oh, repeating donation. And if you uh, donate, then your name pops up in my email. And now we're friends. And you can send me questions. And I also read your name out on the show. So let's start off with Favia. Katie Favia, how you doing? John Mulan. Jonathan Woodman, send in a donation. TJ Sponberg, send in a donation with a question about how to keep pace in the pool. I think I answered that uh, later on in the show. But basically on your watch... You set a timer, um, a repeating timer. You have to have a watch with a repeating timer, and you set your goal pace. So to do a one-hour Ironman, for example, is a one minute per and 25 seconds per 100 yards. And uh, you try to get back to the wall right when it beeps and try to keep on some, and you never stop, and you swim that for an hour and a 125 per 100 pace, and you will finish your Ironman in an hour. And if you got the right kind of watch, it will beep, and now some watches vibrate. So my uh, Sunto Ambit, uh, or my Sunto uh, Spartan, um, has a light vibrate, and but a good beep and a good uh, screen flash. And the, um, I'm trying to think, the Garmin 920 has a good uh, screen flash and a vibrate. Timex. Uh, the Timex Ironman brand, Ironman, um, yeah, they're Ironman watches. They have a repeating timer in them and, uh, with a really loud beep. And so is the Garmin to the point where it actually annoys some people around you. You got to apologize sometimes, but you can't worry about what other people say or else you never get anything done. But anyway, set your timer. You can, uh, divide that by half and do it by fifties. And it is so cool to be swimming along. And as you hit the wall and you do your flip turn and your feet hit that wall, just pop. It goes beep, 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 beep. And you're like, I'm on time. And if your feet hit the wall, bop, beep, 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 beep. Then you're like, you know, there's like a pause between the beep, beep, beep. Uh, then you're like, oh, I'm ahead of schedule. And then if you're about to hit the wall and it goes beep, 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 beep. And then your feet go pop, hit the wall. Then you're like, ah, oh, crap, I'm falling behind. I better speed up. Or you might need to reset your expectations, <laughs> which is always a possibility. But that's how you do it. And it works like a charm. I try to do every other workout like that. And the workouts, the other every other workouts, I do speed work and that speeds me up. And then I test it on the uh, pacing workouts. And that's how it works. All right. Thanks for your donation, TJ. And Hunchu, longtime listener and supporter. Um, I got a note in here. People should listen and read The 48 Laws of Power is a good audiobook. I do not know how that got in here. Uh, Justice Phillips, he asked me to. Um, Oh, man, it was heartbreaking, man. He asked me to, um, what do you call that, pace him on the second half of the Rocky Raccoon 100, and I had to turn him down because my feet still hurt just the tiniest bit, and that would set me back to day one. <laughs> it would wreck me bad. Uh, but I, I, um, and I'm honored to even be asked that people think that I would be fun and uh, a good person to hang out with on the run and that I could do it. Uh, pacing is really hard as well because you got to watch yourself and somebody else. Uh, let's see. We have donations from James Godak, Peter Salzen, Matthew Heinz, Todd Nelson, Alison Frutis, 
I know, fructose. Um, Matthew Froes, M. Webb, and Spiros, Spiros Fetzis, and Tyler Moyer. And then also, finally, a note from Andre. Let's read that and pop it up here. Hi, Brett. Thank you for one more year of excellent podcasts and triathlon coaching. Your podcast helped me pass the time on my frequent flights to Asia. Let's see. Hopefully, you can get back and forth. What's going on with the... the um, immigrant ban uh all that green card and flying back and forth it's got everybody a little freaked out uh greetings from the 50 meter community indoor pool in northern germany oh god you're killing me dude um smiley face winky face and uh you know there is one of the best pools in the entire world right here in town, and it's just inconvenient and too expensive for me to go to. So I go to this other pool, which sucks in comparison, horribly sucks in comparison to that thing. It, it gets the job done because swimming is swimming. Your body really can't tell the difference that much. But, oh, my God, we have the Texas A&M University uh, Olympic competitive 50 meters uh, diving platform. It's indoors. It's state-of-the-art um texas a&m is always in a big battle against ut university of texas about who's got the better every team and who's got the better uh, facilities and they built their pool to outdo university of texas pools and if you notice when you watch uh, national and world and, and even Olympic stuff, the uh, swimming that University of Texas always has a big presence there. It's UT, um, Stanford, Florida. I'm trying to think of the other big swim teams. Uh, but anyway, like say those big powerhouse swim teams, there's a reason. It's the facilities. Swimmers go. I turned down a couple of schools that I thought about going to because their swimming facilities suck when I was going to college and thought I was going to be on a swim team. And, um, and it makes a big difference. It attracts the best swimmers. Well, A&M's is better than UT's at the time when they built it a few years back. It is freaking unbelievable. And I can't go swimming. And it drives me crazy. Crazy. Because I'd have to pay for parking, one. And then I'd have to pay like triple the rate of a normal health club to go there because I am uh, no longer a student. Students uh, get you know a normal rate. But you can go work out there, but you got to pay like triple. It's kind of like a disincentive. So you don't take up space from the space the students need. Anyway, there's all that. So uh, you can support the show uh, by clicking on the link on Zentrathlon on the left by doing donations. Or you can get Hornet Juice on the uh, right-hand side. So go and check that out. Love the Hornet Juice. Okay, back to the regular stuff. You are entering the Zentrite Training Log Zone. Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a trash I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. All right, welcome to a new training log. Zentri Mobile Studios, the Nissan Xterra, and it is uh, lunchtime on a work day. I'm headed to the his house. Gonna get some napple. <laughs> Gonna get a snack and, and a nap. Uh, just listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Interesting, 
uh, insight on something. They have a champion kickboxer on that uh, had a really bad concussion, and he said that um, along with concussion comes depression, and with depression, uh, it, well, depression ought to be something that is talked about uh, with these fighters, and it made me think. They said they're sitting at home at night, crying into their bed. But the world, they're badasses, but they're they're depressed if they're injured uh, from the uh, con- concussion. Now, concussion is a special kind of thing, you know, because that's in your head. That's a uh, brain thing, injury. But also, it made me think that uh, when, let's say, you're a triathlete and you got plantar fasciitis, or you've got a broken arm, or you, uh, you know, you've got knee a knee injury or you know you've got road rash or something like that along with that comes depression uh because you can't do what you want to do so just real quick we're going to get into uh high fat diet in just a second so just stay with me but the uh just real quick uh ways to fight depression when you are injured is are uh you are not the only one Thousands, if not millions of people are either injured with the exact same thing right this moment or have been over the past hundred years or so. Um, the, uh, the hard part is thinking, not knowing what to do. The brain and the ego is lost and doesn't know a way out. So the first thing to do, one of the first things you can do that's really great is go on YouTube and look for your injury and look for treatment. And then once you have treatment ideas, now you've got a path. You've got something to follow. The brain loves having a way out and then start getting along with that. Build up a little YouTube uh, series of YouTube videos and then the interaction seems real to your brain even though these people are on the internet. It seems real because you're seeing them and hearing them. And the next thing you know, you've got a community of people that are uh, helping you. Uh, it doesn't matter if the video was made five years ago. You've got a community of people that are helping you get along your way and uh, get get healed. And that, and people are tribal, you know, because we're primates. So we're tribal and we... Uh, we love it. We love it. It makes you feel a whole lot better. Okay. Uh, interesting thing about eating high fat, uh, low carb, um, things that seem to, to make it seem like it's working. And I'm not entirely sure it's working because I haven't been on it forever. And then, uh, you know, it takes until you die from something for you to really know for sure forever if you live to be 90. But the uh, several times now to the point of where it's... V- the first time it was really odd and then now it's like becoming a pattern uh come home from work and i can work out and wait to eat uh which is you know wait to eat until like 6 30 or 7 and i'm fine and i actually have energy for my workout which is very different than before when i was doing high carb and uh, uh lower fat which um had me you know hungry all the time can't go very long without eating and now I'm still kind of hungry-ish, but I can hold off. And when I do a workout, I feel pretty good anyway. So uh, it's, it's happened many times now uh, since I went really high fat. And that's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, Emily and Kai had bacon and eggs this morning. And in the bacon pan was a whole bunch of uh, leftover grease. And I, uh, <laughs> the whole thing, uh, high fat, a lot of it is like bulletproof coffee, which is a brand name. It's just putting butter in your coffee. But real butter, not vegetable oil, margarine crap. But the, uh, the funny thing is 
um, and they're big on, they're big on, you know, real fat, saturated fat from animals and, uh, eating bacon, right. And not, not being afraid of eating bacon. All you have to do is just not be afraid of eating fat. And then you get a ton of fat calories because fat has nine calories per gram, uh, which is more than double of the four calories per gram that's in carbs. So you just have to quit avoiding fat and all of a sudden your fat content goes way up. And, uh, so I took the bacon grease and bacon grease, I guess a tablespoon has it. And also it's not really that much calories per tablespoon. It's like hundred calories in a tablespoon of fat that goes for olive oil, goes for everything. I think something like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm pretty right. But anyway, poured like a tablespoon if that of bacon grease into my coffee and then stirred it with this frother thing, an aero latte, aero, A-E-R-O latte, which is a frother. It's a motorized little whisk thing. And Kai goes, Daddy, that is so gross. That There is no way that that is healthy. And then Emily goes, yeah. And I pointed at them and I go, you two are eating bacon right now. It is in your hands. They both had bacon in their hands. <laughs> I go, so you have no room to say that I shouldn't be eating bacon. They just put it in my coffee instead of on a plate and eating it on meat like you guys are and they said oh yeah I guess you're right (laughs) well still daddy and I'm like all right whatever but that was kind of funny and that's it I got to go in and I've got a kale salad all made up so I'm gonna go eat that right now I also had some strawberries and cherries at work which was pretty good okay out bang all right mic test one two one two we are back I thought I would uh, cover just a little bit of what I ate for lunch because people are always fascinated uh, with food that works. Um, I had an Amy's brand uh, TV dinner, which is usually really healthy stuff. Um, it might have a little bit too much vegetable oil in it. Some of the vegetable oils are really bad for you. Uh, canola oil, and that's bad for you. But anyway, uh, but on it, I put some, oh, it had beans, cheese, a little bit of tortilla, I'm trying to remember the other stuff that was in it. Some kind of mixed veggies kind of in it. It's a Mexican food with cheese. Anyway, I, uh, oh, it's all organic stuff, I think. It's their claim to fame. But on it, I drizzled some avocado oil. And I put on, what was it? I put on, oh, a pad of butter, right? And mixed that in. Now it's all greasy. So greasy. Y'all remember Polly Shore? Anyway, Then I spooned on like two tablespoons of um, hemp powder, hemp protein powder, the full green stuff. And that added, because this meal had no uh, meat or anything like that in it. So that added a bunch of protein and what else did it add? Fiber and chlorophyll. And that's the good stuff that keeps your uh, poop shoot. Uh, running running clean and keeps you healthy and I, on that note I'm going this afternoon to see if I have the gene uh, so many people in my family have died from colon cancer that uh, I'm going to go get tested to see if I have the gene for the colons of the cancers and cancer of the colons I mean and that's a blood test and then on top of that this afternoon, I am going to, um, oh, right now I'm driving past a sidewalk to see if Kai can actually 
um, bike to mountain bike practice from school after school. They have this other oddball location. Ha! I pulled in front of you, dude. They have this other oddball location that um, actually I think I just looked at it. Kai can actually bike there from uh, school, but I think maybe I need to do it with him so he can he can uh, do it from here on out. Do it once with him. Anyway, so I mixed all that up. And so now you're talking about a fatty Mexican food uh, meal uh, that's uh, got all kinds of nutrition in it and lots of organic stuff mixed in. And on top of that, uh, I sat down for a while and I go, man, I'm still actually really hungry because I biked an hour hard this morning and I'm going to run this evening. And I was like, um, man, I'm still, I'm still hungry. So I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and some of you are going, oh my God, that's so full of carbs, dude. You cannot do that. And no. Uh, first off, I use Ezekiel Bread or uh, what's that other brand? It's not Ezekiel Bread. It's another brand. I'll think of it in a minute. And it is so freaking full of fiber. I remember the Tri-Boomer had it for the first time. And he had. To, he goes, well, you certainly have to, his mouth is full. You certainly have to chew on it for like an hour. <laughs> sure as a project. And it's got nuts and seeds all in the bread. It's sprouted grains. Uh, Harvest Horizon. It's with an H. Anyway, it's got... Bible scripture written all over the outside stuff. I call it Old Testament bread. And then, uh, so that is so not uh, easy to burn carbs because there's actually not that much carbs in it. And then there's also a ton of um, nuts and seeds in it. So actually the fat fiber content for bread is actually really high. And then plus it's got peanut butter, which has got a lot of fat in it. And then just a little bit of jelly. And then for jelly, oh, I use uh, Laura Scudder peanut butter. That way it doesn't have hydrogenated crap in it. My, when I was a kid, my mom used to make peanut butter. You can get a peanut butter making machine. It puts peanuts in, you put peanuts in the top. It's like a coffee grinder kind of. And it grinds the peanuts down and it makes the best peanut butter you've ever tasted in your life. And there's nothing in it except for peanuts. So buying Jiffy and all this other crap, that has hydrogenated whatever in it. That's all a huge waste of your uh, of your money and of your health. Don't get that stuff. Wait, hold on. I gotta pause for a second. But anyway, back to the peanut butter and uh, the bread. A good saying is, if the carbs come from fiber, those carbs don't count. If you're on a uh, well, just any kind of carb diet. Just, but you want fiber. You want a lot of fiber. And I think for uh, a snack this afternoon, I have a little bit of trail mix, healthy trail mix. Didn't have a bunch of chocolate in or crap like that. And the play of green tea with butter. Oh my God. I went to the dentist and he goes, your teeth look amazing. What, what have you been doing? Did I say this already? And I said, well, one of the many things is green tea with a little bit of butter in it. And he goes, butter? And I go, yeah. And I said, I looked it up. Butter is actually really good for your teeth. It gets the vitamins and minerals spread throughout your body. And then it goes to your teeth and it helps rebuild your teeth or keep your teeth strong. Fat. Fat-soluble vitamins can't get anywhere without fat. And then green tea has fluoride in it, naturally occurring, which is good for your teeth, protects your teeth. And um, 
Oh, I have those little one uh, little mini servings of guacamole kind of laying around at my work in the uh, in my little fridge, and I might snack on those. And that is today how I'm doing a uh, uh, high fat diet. It's pretty interesting stuff. All right, gotta go out bang. All right, we are in the Zentri Mobile Studios. Got something really cool to tell you about. Uh, how to swim faster and how to learn how to pace. So I just did uh, an Ironman swim, 4,250 yards. Uh, it's probably, I think it's 4,225 actually, but I did 4,250 in one hour flat. And I did it exactly on a 125 interval. A one minute, 25 seconds per 100 yards interval. And you can do this too at, at whatever speeds, you know, great for you. But every once in a while when I, uh, <laughs> when I coach swimmers, uh, every once in a while, the swimmers I coach, I give them a long swim set to practice pacing. And then this, what I'm about to tell you is super cool. Um, you set a timer, an interval timer on your watch. So the cheapest watch that I know that has it is a Timex Ironman uh, watch, but you gotta find one. It's a little bit, it's not the cheapest one. It's, it's a step up from the cheapest one and it's got a loud interval timer on it. And you can set it to whatever your goal pace is. And I set mine to a uh, minute 23. A minute 20, 26 actually, uh, even though my target was a minute 26 um, and a minute 25 if I could do it. And then when you start swimming for an hour or whatever you're going to do, you uh, do not try to beat your interval because after a while it's going to catch up with you. If it's your target interval, that means it's going to be pretty hard after a while. So just stay on pace and learn what it feels like to do that pace. And what happens is, is it beeps every time you finish a 100. And uh, I actually did mine on 43 seconds. So that's half of that. So every 50, it beeps and then resets itself when I hit the wall. And I uh, stay on pace. If I start getting ahead, I tell myself, calm down, calm down. Don't go, too, don't go faster than this. Just, just stay at your pace. And then the coolest thing is you can mess with different techniques. You can dig a little deeper. You can dig a little shallower. You can lift your head up. You can put your head more down. You can do bilateral, single side. Uh, push off the wall a little harder and try to go a little longer. Start your kick a little earlier. Kick more, kick less. Point your toes back more. You know, glide a little bit more, glide a bit, little bit less. Uh, I mean, you do it for 50 or 100 yards and see if it changes your time. See if you start catching up with your interval or start slowing down. And it's miraculous the way it fixes your stroke and it helps you find what's faster in the pool for you is uh, just incredible. And let's see, I found out there's a swim meet tomorrow and I might join it because I might be able to win the mile. <laughs> might, I have to look at the time. It's pretty fast, but there's not many people in it. And uh, that's the secret of long distance is, is uh, not many people do it. And uh, okay, so fueling for energy, for going for an hour nonstop. 
Oh, when you go and do, let's say, an Ironman or half Ironman, if you do this kind of swim workout once a week or something like that, you do two of like interval sets and all this stuff, but then you, uh, once a week or once every couple weeks, you just do, uh, you know, uh, intervals on, you know, like a 130 or whatever you're going to do for an hour without stopping, including your warm up, everything. Then you get an idea of if your uh, pace is realistic, and then you also learn that uh, how to pace yourself so that when you're in the race, you don't uh, overdo it. Because you will feel exactly the same as you do whenever you uh, do the race. And actually, you go a little bit faster in the race too, because you'll have on a probably a wetsuit and swim cap and and the excitement, and you'll be tapered and nice and fresh. Okay, but anyway, let's talk about fueling. I'm gonna mention two sponsors because I use them this morning, and I use them almost every morning. And one is on the way to the pool. Actually, before on the way to the pool, uh, at, when I'm at my house, I drink a serving of can. Hold on, I need to get something out of my pocket. I got something in my pocket. So you can, U-C-A-N, is a super slow starch, and it's awesome for swimming because it's slow release, and in the swim of an Ironman, you cannot uh, stop and drink water. Ultraman, same thing. I mean, you can stop, but the more you stop, the slower you're gonna go. Swimming, if you, it's not like running or biking. There is no coasting. If you stop working, uh, you go zero miles per hour, which is dumb. So you can do a slow release uh, energy source, which is uh, super starch carb. What they do is a heat treat um, starch and then it makes it so it takes longer for it to break down in your stomach. So it's a very slow, quick release drip. And then the other upside of that is it doesn't cause an insulin spike. So it allows you, uh, insulin turns off. If you, have a, if you have straight sugar, that turns off your body looking for fat, body fat to burn. So uh, you can is great because it goes, okay, I've got a slow drip, like an IV drip of fluid, and I'm uh, uh, still able to access body fat, so I got plenty of like even energy, which is great for a, a long swim. And I just bought some more because I was running out. I had chocolate flavor and I had orange flavor, and I've only got a few more servings of orange flavor. And the stuff, I gotta tell you, the stuff is a little bit expensive, but when you compare how much you actually use, you hardly use any of it. So it actually comes down to be the exact same price as other stuff. Okay, and I've got a discount code. Uh, let's see, it is, you get 15% off if you use Zentry as your discount code. When you get to checkout, it asks for a discount code at the very end. And Zentry, doesn't matter if it's all caps, all lowercase, doesn't matter. Uh, Zentri, all one word, Z-E-N-T-R-I, gets you 15% off. I bought two servings. Uh, hold on just a second. I bought two servings, and um, when I uh, applied the discount, it was just over the amount that gets you free shipping. Aha! So you can get two servings and free shipping with uh, 15% off uh, two containers is what I mean. Uh, and this time I bought just the plain flavor because I found these little stevia pills that I can sweeten stuff with, which I really like. And then sometimes I like to mix it with my coffee. So uh, there's that. So again, Zentry, discount code, 15% uh, off. Uh, and I use it. I used it today. And that's an awesome result. I'm super stoked. And I've been using it for a while. And it's the stuff that got me off of using uh, sugary sugar. 
anyway, and I just went to the dentist and he's like, your teeth are awesome. What have you been doing? And I said, I've been getting off the sugary sugar. So I drink that at my house, just a serving. And then on the way to the pool, I finish my uh, cup of coffee. And in my cup of coffee, I put a pad of butter, you know, like a half a tablespoon of butter, I guess. You know, a pad, like 100 calories of butter. And I froth that and put it in. And I sip that on the way to work. And that adds the extra fluid to the U-can so it settles real nice. So then I've got nice, even energy all the way to the, uh, to the end of my swim, an hour. And then when I'm done, you need to reload on some carbs. And I've got Amrita bars right here. And I'm about to eat one. Oh. Some people love it that I eat on the show. Some people hate it. But let me tell you something. This isn't a podcast where we talk about the science of triathlon. On this podcast, we do triathlon. And we do long course triathlon, which is the most demanding time-wise and energy-wise. And let me tell you something. When you finish a nice workout and you reload on your carbs, you can reload on something that's um, nice, even energy. Kind of like that you can, but it's got fruit and fiber. You're not going to be working out for a little while and it's got seeds in it. It's got no nuts, so if you have a nut allergy, it's vegan and gluten-free and all that stuff. And it's an Amrita bar. Super mellow on the stomach. Um, the main carb source is uh, is dates, which is fantastic. And, oh my God, it's so good. I'm eating one right now. I got pineapple chia. And I've got a discount code for that too. So it's 15% off with them with discount code ZEN2016, 2016, Zen 2016. I know it's 2017. I'm going to email them and ask if it's been updated to 2017. Until then, just try um, 2016, Zen 2016, and get 15% off of them. So I've gone from uh, eating Gatorade and maltodextrin powder and stuff before and during my workout, and then having teeth problems, little cavities, caries is what they call them. It's so annoying, this stupid name. And uh, having a sugar addiction, switched over to using UCAN, and over, I don't know, a month or so, uh, sometimes don't even use UCAN at all, and then after the workout, I have um, a date bar, so like an Amrita bar, A-M-R-I-T-A, Amrita, Amrita bars, Amrita Nutrition, I think is the website, <clears throat> anyway, you can Google it and find it, hold on. And I'm now at work, W to the ERK, and that is how I've been doing a lot of my workouts lately. Pre-fuel with UCAN, you have to take it about half an hour before you work out, power through an hour workout with it, learn how to fat metabolize, and then after the workout, have a date bar like Amrita bars. And it works. It works so good. I'm so, so happy to find something that actually works. Long-term, has longevity to it. You can do this forever. All right, I'm at W to the ERK. Gotta go out, bing. Oh, so good. I gotta get you some. Get you some. All right, we are back. I just dropped off groceries at the house. We're doing the new thing for our local grocery store chain, H-E-B, Howard E. Butts, <laughs> for real, B-U-T-T-S. He, uh, he... The grocery store chain uh, now does online ordering where uh, order all your stuff ahead of time and then you pull up in a space, text them, they come out to the, to the car 
and they go, what's your name? And you go, I'm me. And they say, all right. Actually, in my case, I'm here for my wife. And they go, all right, let's uh, load up some groceries, dude. And it works. Oh, man. So they take all the groceries that you ordered whenever you order them and put them in your car. I'm not sure whether to tip or not yet. Uh, I don't have any cash on me, so this time I didn't tip. But I used to bag groceries when I was a high schooler, I think, 8th, ninth grade, uh, back in the 80s, late 80s. It's pretty cool. I used to walk all the groceries out for old ladies that wanted to tip you and uh, give you five, five bucks, usually like a buck. Or usually back then it was just some change. <laughs> Their spare change from buying whatever they bought. Anyway, there's that, and... It looks like it's a huge time saver. The downside is is sometimes they don't have the stuff and they replace it with other stuff. And you can, uh, that's a variable that you can uh, set if they should replace it or just not put it in there. Uh, but for example, you know, uh, they were out of these veggie tray things that Emily wanted, so they did fruit instead. And I told Emily, now Emily's mad. And the bananas are green and I hate green bananas. So that sucks. And I think there's little things we're gonna have to learn along the way. But instead of spending forever in the grocery store looking for this stuff, they go ahead and find it all for you. And then your grocery list is reusable and other people that you allow in can actually... Uh, I'm going to get this thing straight in the microphone. There we go. Is that better? Uh, they, Other people can add to your grocery list. So I can say, oh, Emily, get this and add to it and add to it. I found out about this and was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. So I'm super stoked about that. Uh, let's see. Use the salt stick. Feel awesome after uh, taking some salt stick for additional uh, electrolytes to get rehydrated after celebrating my um, after celebrating with some beer, some ale, Shiner Bach IPA. Uh, my my second place swim, which was really cool. And uh, gosh, I think I've drank three or four beers over the because I bought a six pack and I've been snacking on them. And uh, salt stick. Made me feel so good that this morning when I went for a swim, I swam faster, even though it's only been two days since my race, it's been 48 hours, I swam faster than I have in a long time for my normal hour workout. Uh, 124 pace, so sub one hour Ironman pace. And head down, feet up, and just go. And uh, going kind of firm with the pull. And in my case, what makes me go faster is to have a deep uh, uh, arm pull. Uh, looks like I got to go around the gas station here. So test things out. Test things out. See what you're faster at. There's a good uh, article written by Gary Hall Sr. on Slow Twitch, and that's about keeping your head down. It's not worth it to be looking forward. And it's kind of a mixed bag, but I could definitely see his point. And that's it. Uh, next podcast, I want to talk a little bit about micro-stressing yourself on purpose. So... Let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that then. Look forward to that. And I think that's it. All right, everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. <laughs>